Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Eric Schrantz is a staple of the trail running and the ultra running world. He is a passionate runner himself, and he is also the host of ultrarunnerpodcast.com. And since Eric spends so much of his time writing about and interviewing other runners, Brendan Leonard and I thought it would be fun to put Eric in the guest seat. So Brendan and I talked with Eric about how he got into running, his work in the music industry and in politics, how he got started at ultrarunnerpodcast.com. We talk a bit about the art of conversation and how running media differs from most other sports media coverage. And we even get into a rather spirited debate about the best bank robbery films and heist movies of all time. You can both blame and thank Brendan for leading us down that particular rabbit hole but that's actually a pretty great part of the conversation, I think. And fortunately, for Eric's sake, he got the answer right, or Brendan and I would have probably just refused to publish this episode. So good job there, Eric. And now we'll go ahead and let Brendan kick off our conversation with Eric Schranz. Eric Schranz, ultrarunnerpodcast.com. Thanks for coming on Off the Couch. Thanks for having me, guys. Weird, weird time to be here, but we all got a lot of time, so maybe we can make this seven or eight hours of chat. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The I mean, ultra... I'm, not, I'm not that busy, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but you got a couple things to do? Yeah, like just okay. use the bathroom or, or whatever yeah. in those seven or eight hours. But yeah, we. Um, I wanted to have you on because I, there's not that much... You are a voice. I would say you're one of the OG ultra runner um, or ultra running and trail running podcasts, but there's not a hell of a lot of information about you on, on the internet that I can find. Um, there's like a couple blog interviews. Um, and I know that you get to say a little, you get to talk a little bit about your, yourself during the podcast, but mostly you interview people. So I thought it'd be fun to, to have you on and, and chat with oh you boy. about your life. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple different threads that come together for you about 10 years ago, which is running and journalism. Um, when did you know, I know you ran as a kid and in high school, but when did you kind of see it being sort of a thing as an adult uh, for you? That was 2007, 2008, something like that. I needed to, I'd, I'd quit smoking. I was smoking a bunch of cigarettes and I, and I quit smoking and I did that by starting to run. And um, it's something I hadn't done in about 10 years. I'd been a runner my whole life and took took a decade off. And then tried a few different ways to stop smoking. And I finally said, well, I'm just going to start running around around Capitol Park here in Sacramento. And it's going to suck horribly bad if I'm if I still smoke. Um, and I just kind of forced that to I'd run. I mean, street lamp to street lamp type of thing until uh, until I felt better. And um, and then I heard about somehow. I don't know what it was. I mean, there used to be a. um in the in the old internet 10 years ago 12 years ago there was a runner's world forum and there's like a trail running forum i think that's where i found it um a, a trail running group it was meeting up in auburn and let's get together and we're running you know five eight miles something like that i said sounds good i'll do it i've never done that officially and within a few steps down the trail i said okay these are this is my people this is these I've just met these people and here we are running together and squatting in the woods and pooping together and just talking and, and, and having a good time. And that was, I think that was probably the, the genesis of, of, of this. That's cool. How many, how, how big was the group at the time? Oh boy. I don't know. 10 people, but it was, it was, uh, it was run by a guy named Dan Moores, who was the, uh, he owned, owned the running company up there who a few years after that actually passed away from, from leukemia. And then, and then a few people who were real hardcore Western States people, Matt Keys and, you know, the, the types of people who I didn't know at the time were really hardcore into the scene. And, uh, as somebody who likes learning, it was great. I just, I just ran and just listened to people talk and just listened to them tell stories and offer advice and stories of woe and stories of of success 
And uh, different people every week would show up. And, you know, a guy named Frank Bozanich, who's this old school guy from the 70s, would show up and tell these crazy stories about, about you know, his running days, running with a syrup bottle and all this. Yeah. And and I just said, this is, okay, this is this is me. This is, this is, and from then on, I just kind of pushed forward and then dove into, seriously dove into distance. Um, I, I didn't bother with a marathon. I just went straight to a 50K and then... 50 mile, 100K, I just, and then I, I, I threw in a marathon there at some point, but really was just enjoying, enjoying, enjoying getting out and, 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 and pushing my body hard. Yeah. What, what was it about trail running itself that was, that grabbed you so much? Was it, I mean, it sounds like it was partly community. Oh, it was, it was huge on, it was huge on community. Um, I had, let's see here, by that time, I had left, I, I moved to Sacramento basically to work in, in, in politics and I'd been working in, um, on campaigns and lobbying and fundraising, all this type of stuff. And, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of acquaintances in that field, but there's not really many like friends and not much of a community that you can depend on. And I found that in in the in 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 the trail running world you know i found people who i just met and these people are you know willing to give me whatever i want to to make sure i'm i i have success on the trails and um they'll stick by me in this and they'll stop for me when i need to squat in the bushes and they're going to go on a night run with me and um they'll hop in my car and just just stuff that i wasn't finding other places and um I stuck with that group for oh, six months or something like that. And then just kind of kept going on my own. And then I started running with other people. And then that whole, that thing quickly turned into, um, into URP because I, I met some people who were going to start a podcast and I thought, and they asked me and, um, I didn't know what a podcast was. I mean, I literally didn't know what a podcast <laughs> was. I'd, I'd heard the word before. I knew it was like a radio show on the internet but I didn't really know what it was or at all what it entailed, but I'd been reading so much about ultras and trying to learn about, about trail running and all this. I said, that sounds like a cool, it sounds like a cool thing to do. I'll try it out. So you, so this is, yeah, this is bringing our two threads together already. So you went, yes. you went to school for, I got a journalism degree, right? Correct. Right. Right. And, I went to uh, for public relations and journalism. Yeah. Okay. And then straight into politics or did you work in? I worked in the music industry for a while. I, I was in the music industry as a as a in college, and then that moved into my first year out of college. Basically, I was doing um, public relations and publicity for uh, Universal Music Enterprises, which is the, uh, the, the 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 catalog division of Universal Music. It doesn't mean those magazines you get and you have to order a bunch of stuff. The cat, catalog is uh, is artists that are no longer on the label, so they're either dead or they're no longer on the label. And I was dealing with. Um, uh, radio stations for play, a lot of, uh, you know, pre-concert stuff. I was going to all the shows for the artists that were on our books and, um, and helping with meet and greets and stuff like that. Um, I, I was, I was making horrible money in LA and, uh, but living the time of my life. I mean, it was so much fun. I was like 22 or something and going to concerts every night and hanging out with people and, and, um, and getting all the CDs I wanted, you know, it would be like an ultra runner getting all the shoes they wanted, all yeah. the CDs I wanted. It was great. And here, but hearing like, you know, pre-release stuff and just getting into it. I, I had a really, really good time, but it's a, that's a hell of a tough industry. That is a very, 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 very tough industry. When I was in it, um, you know, you either made in LA, you made um, 40 grand a year. And then the next step was, you know, 200. And, you know, to, to, that, that jump was people were killing each other for it. And I just wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing to do that. Did some funky stuff. I mean, like out of the movies type of, um, type of errands you're running for people. Uh, not swimming with sharks type, but, but some, <laughs> but some pretty extreme, some pretty extreme stuff. And, um, and, and for whatever reason, I thought I got to get out of this because this is a little too nuts for me. I'm going to go into politics. You know, <laughs> yeah. what the hell? <laughs> Something, something more relaxed, right? Didn't make any sense at all. But uh, I guess I was naive. I mean, I've been a political hound my whole life, and um, and I thought, okay, I got, I got to do this, and um, and found the political world to be just as bizarre, and stuck around for a few years, and then um, and then got out. A lot of it from uh, at the behest of my wife, or the request of my wife, because my then girlfriend. It's it's a, it's a, almost a twenty four hour, a day job, 
and she just said, this is, this is not okay. You need, you, you got to make a choice. You know, you're going to have a relationship or you're going to have this job. And, um, and I chose, uh, wisely. Yeah. I, my, uh, my dad, when I was growing up was a, he was a butcher and a manager at this grocery store and he worked 70, pretty much 70, Jeez. 75 hour weeks. Right. And I asked him, I worked at restaurants. I was a dishwasher and a busboy, And I said, dad, do you ever think about, you know, opening a restaurant or working in a restaurant? And he goes, well, I don't need to work that much. And <laughs> I think when I think about political jobs, that's what I think. Like I work a lot, but oh, no way, man. There's, it's crazy. There's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's con- we'd have meetings. We'd literally have meetings. The governor would call, his people would call at, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And I'd go, I'd go down to the Capitol for a meeting at 11 PM uh, just be- because, and it was, it just didn't make any sense. Um, and uh, I'm so much happier so dang much happier now. <laughs> what was that? Uh, can you tell us about one of those bizarre errands is it, that you did for musicians? Or is that like Statue of Limitations stuff? I had, I mean, I was 22. I had seen, I had I'd done plenty of drugs in my life by that point. Um, I was not into anything hard at all. You know, I'd smoked pot and done a bunch of mushrooms and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I was picking up eight balls of Coke. Like I'd never done that before. I'd never, I mean, I didn't even know what I was looking at. I would go and pick something up and, and be like, I, I mean, I guess this is it I, you know, <laughs> and take it back. And it was, it was, I mean, it was like people, it was bizarre. Yeah, it just, was, it was very, very bizarre. Um, and I just thought this is, I, I, I know I need to be working hard and doing whatever I need to do to get to that, you know, to, to make it in this industry. But this is, this is super sketchy. This is super sketchy. I shouldn't be doing this. Um, and uh, that was probably, that's probably the weirdest. It's not that weird to a lot of people probably, <laughs> but to me, that was, that was pushing it. <laughs> yeah. So where does the first political job come? Like, what was that? How did that transition happen? Um, I, I mean, it was crazy. I didn't know anybody in Sacramento. I knew I, I, I literally lived with my ex roommate's mom in a suburb of, of, of Sacramento for a few weeks. Um, I slept in my car for a few days and I finally found an attic to live in. And I literally stood in elevators in, in buildings downtown with, I mean, with, with resumes, meeting people and just saying, just trying that attempt. Um, I was going to every party possible. I mean, I'd find a party, see a, see a sign for something, some event. And I was going to it, just trying to meet people and say, how do I get into this? And it's actually kind of how I met my, my now wife. I, I met her at a, it was a bar, but it was a, it was a, it was a birthday party for somebody who had some connections to telecommunications lobbying. And I was there and I met Sam and here we are. But it was, that's that my, my first job was a legislative analyst. So just um, going over legislation, how's it affecting the trade group? Um, at that point it was healthcare and uh, diabetes and seeing eye dogs. And um, that turned into more um, campaign consulting and fundraising and uh, then dealing with a whole bunch of different different candidates um, at different levels, all state stuff. I mean, there's some local, but but it was mainly all state and and uh, just doing that, doing that. It was a ball of fun when you're 22 and you don't have kids, you don't have much else going. It was a ton of fun, but damn, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So much work. Yeah. And, and and you just eat like shit. I mean, it's it's fundraisers, you know, fundraisers start at 630 or so and they run till 10 at night almost every day. So I'm out at just fundraisers, just eating garbage, just banquet food, banquet food, banquet food, banquet food. And I'm smoking. And it's just it was not going well. And right around I, I honestly don't know what the actual impetus was for me to quit smoking. But it was like, I got to I got to get something right here. But this is not a way to be living. So you start running, then you start trail running, and then around 2000, 2010, 2011, how did you, how did you sort of, how did you sort of fall into, um, or become a part of Ultra Runner Podcast? Because you didn't start it yourself. Right. Um, one of my running buddies, um, I just, I'd been running with and, and he knew somebody who was going to, was, was thinking about starting a podcast. That was Scotty Sandow. And Scotty um, was uh, was uh, the on-air talent and the executive producer for one of our, our local morning um, talk shows in, in Northern California. And Scotty and a few other guys started, started URP. And like a week after, after their first episode, they said, we need somebody else. Eric, do you want to do this? You seem to, you know, at least 
be somewhat knowledgeable or willing to talk about it and, and, and play dumb. Do you want to be on the show? Do you want to be a host? Sure. I mean, I don't know what that means. Tell me when to show up and where to where to go. And I, uh, Scott, we're very, very fortunate. Scott, um, in his role as as a producer of this radio show, we had this massive studio. I mean, a professional radio suite with sound engineers and more dials and buttons and levers and knobs than I've ever seen in my life. And all I had to do was show up and and talk. I mean, they at that point, I don't know who the first interview I had was, but there was four of us. Which was crazy. I look back on it. I'm like, how in the hell did we think that having four hosts was a good idea? <laughs> like, you know, it's like the view for true. Oh my god, it was crazy, and um, and it was really awkward. You know, I, I've, I've told the story. Like, I remember when it was my time to talk. I would say, "Hi, this is Eric Trant." You know, I would like announce my name and shout my name and like ask a question. It was it was not very polished. Um, but it was it was easy from a from a, a a a host standpoint. I didn't have to do anything. How long did that last with four hosts? That lasted a couple months um, until until the other Scott and Don took off and they created Trail Runner Nation. So that's when that's that's when Trail Trail Runner Nation was founded. And then Scott and I did it for another year or so. Um, and then Scott went through some family changes and left that left that job. He went to work um, in in for for a different different company. And he said, "I can't do ERP anymore." And all of a sudden, it was it was it was me with this uh, podcast that was seeing some success. I mean, we were taking off. There weren't many back then, so it was. I saw this rise, this like, hey, this is an opportunity to do something cool, but I don't know a damn thing about microphones, about audio stuff, about GarageBand, about what's a host, what's a server. I have no idea how to do this. And um, and just tried to explain to my wife, listen, I'm going to try to make something of this. I'm going to spend some money right now on a bunch of used equipment and let's see what happens. And, um, and through some trial and error, I mean, there's some, there's some interviews out there that are lousy. I mean, my, I didn't know how to do my levels. So I'm, I'm interviewing somebody and I'm loud and you can barely hear them talk. <laughs> and I published it because I just didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And I, and it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I had to pull some of them and that turned into, it just kind of kept going. And then I, you know, got more used to it and, um, here we are. Yeah. So did you, uh, at that beginning when you're, you're just like left out on your own, you're, yeah. it's not a, it's not an income producing thing at that point, is it? No, you're, yeah. no, no, it was, it was no, it was the opposite, whatever the opposite is. Um, it was like ham radio enthusiast or you're just like yeah. spending a ton of money. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. My, my first, the first, uh, ads we got, um, I remember I, it was 50 bucks a spot. I remember that. And it was, it was what, seven, eight years ago. I remember thinking, Okay, first of all, if I could get free shoes or a free race entry out of any of this, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. These shoes are, what, 150 bucks? That'll be awesome. Race entry, 150 bucks? Great. If I can do that, that'll be great. Now, trying to explain to my wife, I know I'm paying a few hundred bucks for, you know, hosting and equipment and all this, but but I'm getting a free pair of shoes, you know, and that, that argument wasn't going to go far. And then, so it was, 50, it was 50 bucks. And I rode that for a while, a couple of years. Probably a year, a year or two, I was charging fifty bucks a uh, a, a, a a an episode, and um, I don't know. I I talked to a few people. I'd had some some kind of mentors in the media who were offering some advice and said you you ought to be doing different than that because I was I was seeing a lot more more downloads, and I uh, and I started charging significantly more, and all of a sudden I had a whole bunch of interest because I think it was the the cheap tattoo theory or the cheap lawyer theory. Nobody wants a $20 tattoo. You know, you're going to pay for quality. And, uh, and from then on, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty easy. I've never, I've never seeked out advertisers. Um, they've always approached me and I've been, been real, real fortunate to be able to make, um, somewhat of a living doing this. That's nice. Yeah. So when does it turn into just like, okay, this is a full-time job? Um, well, it is a full-time job, but it's part-time pay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I don't know how to answer that because, you know, I, I don't so much of what I do on URP, I guess, if we're talking journalism wise is, is daily news stuff mm. or, or other, other articles I'm writing. And those aren't, there's no income generation there. I mean, that's just, that's just me writing because I, I like exploring stuff. Um, and I like the daily news and just kind of 
gives me something to do each morning and a place to put my thoughts. And uh, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't produce anything. Well, it's it eventually it does if people click on your Patreon or okay, sure, your okay. ads or whatever, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know, but I, I guess what I'm asking is like, you don't have a day job, like this is no, I don't have yeah. a day job. No, 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 no. Um, I'm I'm real fortunate. My wife has a good job. She's in 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 biotech and works um, real hard and is able to uh, support us nearly everything. Yeah, so Ultra Runner Podcast is partially sponsored by your wife, basically. Yes, yeah, very much so. She is a uh, she is an, an unwitting sponsor. Yes, <laughs> Eric, I'm pretty interested in going back when you're talking about the early days of Ultra Running Podcast. And one of the things I think about doing podcasts on the regular is I've certainly come to think hard about sort of the art of conversation. Yeah, and so. First of all, when you're talking about having four hosts, I'm like, wow, that would seem to be impossible to create any kind of a rhythm yeah, um, or, or keep a thread going in a conversation. And so that's my initial thought about, you know, trying to work with four people interviewing, you know, one or two guests. But I guess I'm curious whether over the years you've come to develop your own sort of thoughts about, I guess, if you accept this notion of like the art of conversation, or if you're like, ah, I don't know, I'm a lot more just freewheeling than all that. First, I was really, really lucky when we had four guests, we still had Scotty, who who was professional, I mean, who'd been in radio for for 10 years. So had a really, really good way of of directing conversation with, um, you know, nonverbal cues and and we were all in the same studio, luckily. So he was able to say, you know, you hold, you hold, okay, work that thought with all these hand signals and everything. So we were able to still, it wasn't just like you get four random runners and put them together and see what happens. That would that'd just be a, it'd be hellish. So I was still, we were still able to get it done that way. But um, the, the art of conversation, absolutely. I, 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 that's interesting you asked that. I, I used to um, prepare and prepare and prepare and write, I'd write for one you know, 55 minute interview, I'd probably have four or five pages of, of notes and questions. Um, and you know, that maybe I'd want to get to, because as you guys know, once you press record, things start to, (laughs) things start to get funky. You forget those things that you were sure you're going to get to, you know, I'm definitely going to ask that, but you press record and your, your brain goes to, goes, it fries. And I've in the past few years, I think I've got a lot more, I'll, I'll go with one or two pages of, of just simple bullet points that I'm going to try to get to and have it a lot more freewheeling with an outline. I mean, there's an outline. There's, I usually try to go, um, I usually try to go chronological somewhat. I mean, if you're somebody, so how'd you start? You know, okay, what were you doing in high school and then collegiately and where are we, where are we now? And then, you know, where are we going? Basic outline like that. And then as the stories pop up, we can, you know, go down that thread, but then always come back to working that, that conversation chronologically. Um, and, and I mean, maybe I'm going too far with this, but, but the, the, the ability for guests to tell a good story is so hard to find that, that seems to be the biggest, uh, wild card in, in, in this, I guess we're calling it art. What we do is, is finding a, finding a guest with a good story. Who's able to tell it. I mean, I've had guests on, I'm sure you guys have too, who's, they've got incredible stories. I mean, attacked by a bear or, you know, some incredible, you know, but they just can't tell it. It's just a lot of, well, yes, no, yes, no, or weird answers, or they can't talk into the freaking phone, right? You know, and, 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 and finding those guests who can tell a story or conversely find somebody like a, like a David Sedaris type of guest. Ooh, it's just a, they don't really have these amazing stories, but they're able to make these amazing stories out of one incident. And, and that, that has been, that's been, that's been the tough one. I mean, I, I get pitched guests all the time as I'm sure you guys do. Oh, this, you know, so-and-so won this, won this race. They won this huge race. Well, great. But what are we going to talk about? You know, I mean, there's great. They won this race and, <laughs> yeah. and what else, you know, we go, we got to have something to talk about and it's, 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 um, whenever I'm asked for advice, there's a lot of new podcasts starting what, you know, how should I be doing things? What should I be doing? My advice is always find guests with stories, find an angle. Why are you interviewing this person? Um, 
if, if you were just out on the trail and you just ran into some random person, is that somebody who you'd want to interview? Or do you want to find somebody with something and you're, 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 you're going someplace together? And that's been, that's been that, that art of conversation is finding that person with that story um, and, and, and their ability to share it dynamically. How do you make that, uh, what is that process like? How do you decide on that? I mean, are you, you're a lot of guessing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, so you, you obviously are really, you pay it. I mean, I would describe like one of the best things about the podcast is that you're such a huge fan of the sport as well as doing the sport that you're paying attention to all these things and you know what's going on. But do you, I mean, do you, do you like try to call this person, maybe find out like, what is, what is that like? No. How do you, how do you get no. that? And then do you, <laughs> I should, there's so many things I should be doing and I don't, um, I, w- you know, if somebody pitches somebody, Hey, this really interesting person, they had this amazing story and this race. And I go, okay, that sounds like somebody I want to talk to. Um, and I, and I'll usually ask like, what are they like? What, you know, are, do, are they able to tell a dynamic story? Have you ever talked to them on the phone? Um, and sometimes it's a crapshoot. Sometimes I literally, uh, the first time I talked to him is on the phone when we press record and we're going to see where it goes. And then it's, and then it's really up to me to maybe they're, they, maybe they're just going to tell a great story and be fantastic. And there's people like that who can just do it. And then sometimes it's up to me to kind of try to really try to steer it along and keep it, keep it moving in the right direction. And, um, and there's some that have just gone completely off the rails. Um, there is without, without mentioning names or, uh, mm-hmm. or, or discernible features. I interviewed somebody years ago. Um, no, this was with, I think with Scotty as well. I'm not sure. And we'd interviewed this. We'd, we'd, we'd wanted to have this person on for a while and they were from out of the country. And, uh, and we said, uh, cool, let's, let's, let's have him on. He's going to be in the States for something. And we had him on and he was, he writes really, really well, really, really, really great writer. And he does not speak very well. First, an extremely strong accent that you could barely, I mean, really, really barely understand. And he was drunk and he was just not a good interview. And it's at that point, you just, you're just like, this is embarrassing for, I mean, we couldn't get it back on track. It wasn't funny drunk. It was just, it was just like, it was like sad drunk. And we just said this, just something happened to the file. It's corrupted. We just couldn't make it happen. Huh. Ah, that was going to be my other question. Have you ever just <laughs> straight up deleted one? Because it was yeah, like, we've oh, had to. Okay. I'm up. To, I think I'm up to about 500 interviews now, and I think I've deleted like three. Okay. Yeah, not many. Yeah. So how do you find guests? I mean, are you, you're getting pitched people, but are you're also, I mean, there's a good variety of guests on here that I think you probably find somehow and go, I'm going to oh, reach yeah, out yeah, to yeah. this person. and. I, I would say, I mean, pitched wise, I mean, that's probably 10%, 20% of them. And most of them I'm, I'm just fine because I'm just a nerd or a gadfly, whatever you want to call it. And I'm just always looking around and trying to see like, that's an interesting, who is that person who just won that race? Oh, oh, it's that guy. Or, oh, they're, do they do this too? Interesting, you know, or, um, okay. Another example is, 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 is last year I was, um, I was the finish line announcer for Broken Arrow sky race this this race in tahoe and um and the day before i'd been helping out i volunteer just kind of set up and all this type of stuff and uh and there's a there's a, a woman there who had a, a face mask on like a like a surgical mask on and um she just kind of caught my eye because she's wearing a surgical mask and and she had um very unique eyes not asian but not anglo i didn't know what they're they just for for whatever reason I paid attention to her eyes and the fact she was wearing a mask. And that's it. I'd seen her for probably five seconds that day. Then the next day during the race, during the 52K, here she comes and she's, and she's finishing. She has no mask on, but, she ha- but I noticed her eyes. I said, what's going on there? And I noticed, whoa, she has severe disfigurement in her face. Like there's a major, major physical issue going on in her, in her face. And, um, and I approached her um, um, after the race. I said, I saw you finish you know, can I ask what the story is with the mask and everything? And, um, just kind of had a feeling there's, there's a story there someplace. And, uh, and it turns out that, uh, so her name is Carol Sepalu. She's, um, she's an Eskimo. It's a term she prefers. And, uh, and she's a suicide survivor. She, she shot her face off when she was 16. She got um, drunk and depressed and tried to kill herself. 
and has found uh, the trail community and she now runs and races and she wears this to basically cover up the disfigurement but that was that was an, uh, that was an instance where you just kind of go for it and maybe i don't have all the social graces i uh, maybe you're not supposed to walk up to somebody <laughs> and say what happened to your face can i interview you uh, yeah but but it it but it worked out and i think it i i'd like to, i'd like to think that it it helped um open up that conversation for a lot of people as well um because it was it was it was a really important interview it's very very difficult uh, pro tip if you're going to interview somebody with a tracheotomy whoo <laughs> it's tough because she yeah. it's the whole it's very very hard to understand especially when she's in Alaska in a small village with 4000 people and I'm down here and and she's got a tracheotomy is really tough but that's another way of of just finding it that I found a guess that that worked and others um you know I I trust a lot of people um my friend Stephanie Case um recommended she's she goes you got to interview this guy I met him at Tour de Géant and we talked for for hours and he's incredible and this is killing me for the life of me. I can't remember his name right now, but he lives in a coal mine in in um, or lives works in a coal mine in Australia. He's Kiwi, lives works in a coal mine, and um, and runs out of the coal mine each day at, as his as his hill training, and then takes off his shoes and runs through the outback um, barefoot with all these insane spiders and snakes and 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 bushes, and has this bevy of women who f- follow him around at these races and help him out. Um, and, and he runs Tour de Giant. and to make it crazier. So he used to have a normal job. He used to have, he was a, an accountant or something like that with a wife and kids had a stroke, was in a stroke for a long time. Wife left him. Wife said, I'm out of here and left him. And he woke up and said, what the hell, who am I? And what's going on? Oh. I need a life change right now. And so that's when he started to go work in the coal mine because he said, I need, I need a way to train for these races I want to do. And that's, that's the way I'm going to do it. So that like that sort of thing, if somebody I trust pitches me like that, I'm like, okay, this person's going to be good. And he was outstanding. It feels, has to feel good to your, I bet your journalism professors are proud of your use of your <laughs> journalism degree at this point. Like, you know, it is, I, I went a long time with not really using a journalism degree, you know, and, uh, and now I'm still having flashbacks and like, it's, it's a different, different use of a journalism degree for sure. But it's, but it, uh, I guess I'm using some stuff I learned. Since you've done so many of these episodes and there's such a uh, fixture in this uh, world, do you do you ever find do people recognize you by voice if you're standing <laughs> around talking at a race and they kind of like hear you talking? Do you do you ever see someone look over their shoulder and then come over and say, "Yeah, are you the are you the yeah that happens guy? a lot yeah yeah and that's fine I mean that's I don't mind that that's that's fine it's it's a lot it's it's when I'm on the trails I recognize that voice or oh yeah and. And I'm fortunate to be able to just do it by by voice. Um, you know, people who who do it, you know, in front of a camera or something. You know, I've you know I've hung out with Jamil at races and stuff, and Jamil is Jamil Curry is, is swarmed with people, or Billy Yang. They're swarmed with people who just want to talk to him, and and as long as I don't talk, I'm cool. Yeah, it's like a, a sort of a way of being anonymous. Yeah, it's their <laughs> the, their their choices to sort of put themselves up in front of the yeah, camera too. Yeah. So that's cool. That's yeah. great. I think about this being, you know, a lot of when we think about sports journalists, uh, it usually, I guess the model for me is people play football or basketball or, or baseball or whatever it is when they're kids. And then at a certain point, none of us can really play. You're not really playing organized baseball after age 18 exactly. or college exactly. or whatever. You maintain this um, fandom, but also enthusiast in that you're still doing this stuff at at a pretty high level i would argue you know it's not like you know a lot of the people who are you know covering the nba could not last 48 minutes on a you know on a basketball <laughs> court certainly with the people who are actually playing in the nba but let alone just a an actual basketball game but but you can right you can write about these races and and also be like i've been there in that moment at mile 85 and yeah yeah, it's a, it's it's just what this sport allows. I mean, this is a, a blue collar sport that 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 allows anybody to do it. And um, I think what keeps the enthusiasm alive right now, one thing definitely is is my kids. I mean, they're they're ten and eight, and they're way into. They've grown up in this. I mean, their entire lives have been spent um, at aid stations, and that's what dad does. His dad runs and talks about running and talks about runners, and um, without pushing anything, that's just what they've been raised with. And that keeps me very, very um, motivated, both from a 
just fun. It's fun to watch to watch kids run and to learn from them. To like watch a kid bomb a downhill is insane. It's insane because there's no fear. They just run as fast as they can downhill. And then also it's I mean, honestly, it's trying to stay faster. I mean, it's it's my 10 year old is ready to smoke me and I need that to not happen. <laughs> I have some pride. <laughs> But you're aware at some I was just gonna ask about that about your kids, but you're at some point it's gonna it's gonna happen, right? Like maybe in the next four or five years, like maybe two years. Oh well, no 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 way sooner than that. No, 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 way sooner than that. I mean she we just had a she had a track meet last week last month and I think she ran this, like a six nineteen mile and I can't do a six nineteen mile right now. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean maybe maybe if I just throw in all the all the dad dignity I've got and and risk my life i could <laughs> really dig deep yeah 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 but that's uh i think that's that's one thing that that is kind of consistent though with this sport and the media the media scene in this sport is that we're all part of it i mean it's not the nba like you like you mentioned you know older guys sitting around a table not having actually played basketball in years i mean we're all we all still do this and um and it's it's and it's great. And there's some people at a much higher level than others. I mean, I don't I don't even know if some of these podcasts are around anymore. I mean, Dylan Bowman had a podcast for a while. I don't know if he's still doing it. Um, and I mean, he's getting his perspective is 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 so different than getting a perspective from from, you know, Scotty Coomer, who's, you know, on the on the on the the slower end of the field, who also has a has a has a show and talks about it. And um, you don't get that in in um, in if we're going to use basketball as, as an example. Nobody's doing a podcast about <laughs> about not very good basketball players. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's 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 not a thing. But but getting that perspective from us is um, is hopefully you're you're learning something because the way that the elites run is a, is 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 the same sport. We're starting in the same line of the same finish line, but the way we do it is so freaking different that. Um, Hopefully, we can learn more from from the middle of the pack hosts and guests than just the elites, and that's why I try to mix it up with 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 a, a, a good combination of of guests. Eric, that I have never thought about that before. That if you look at say basketball media or football media or soccer media, you're right. There's almost nothing in terms of coverage of just middle of the pack, let's get your story. You're somebody who, you know, walks a few blocks to the local basketball court, <laughs> you know, and plays pickup every day. But that is a real difference, I think, in the running community. Um, it's a huge part of a running community. Yeah. I'm now trying to go through all the other, like to what extent, say, climbing media. Brendan, what, are you, what do you think about that? I mean, I maybe there's a bit more of the, to use your term, Eric, like the middle of the pack coverage in climbing than say versus football or basketball. But I still don't know that I think it would be the same as running. Uh, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, as far as news goes, you know, um, I think film people are starting to find other stories than just the, it used to be the, the format was sort of famous climber finds project fails for five minutes sends project huh. yeah, you know maybe says a few things about life or whatever but it's i think i hope it's trending this way i think you know people who are doing things at a really high level in lots of sports are very young and sometimes don't have that like couple decades of experience or just other life experiences you know maybe have really been a sponsored climber since they were 12 and have never had a real job and so when it starts to get into the like life lessons you're kind of like Oh, well, yeah, maybe for you, but I got a job and, you know, that's not what my life has been like. So I think we're starting to find those other stories and that and, you know, make it a little bit deeper um, in in a lot of sports, you know, even, you know, skiing and mountain biking as well. Um, But, yeah, I think climbing is really interesting because if you try hard enough, you can actually literally go touch the exact same handholds as, you know, some of the greatest climbers in the world um, and and you know, get your way up something, but yeah, I don't know. You can't, you can't usually, what's funny about races is you can walk right up to one of those really great runners. You know, if you see him at check-in and be like, I'm a huge fan and you know, whatever. Cause there's only 300 people in the race or whatever. Right. right. It's, it's, it, may, it makes it amazing. It makes it such a, 
I mean, I use the term blue collar. I'm trying to be nice about it, but it's just normal people. Yeah. All that are really weird in the same way. Like, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, normal, I mean, and, it's normal, not normal people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is. And it's people you go, you know, she's one of the best in the world. And she also works at a running store and probably gets chewed out by somebody for not having a shoe in their size. And yeah. this guy, you know, you know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's we're normal people with whatever term you just used. I like we're not normal, normal people. Yeah. And it makes sense. <laughs> so, um, can we talk a little bit about what you're what you're up to recently and in the future as far as running goes? I guess it's a little up in the air with uh, <laughs> with races being canceled right now because of coronavirus, COVID nineteen. But um, what are you what are you focusing on now? You're mid forties, um, been doing it for I guess what a decade now over a little yeah. over a decade and twenty oh seven something like that. Um, what I'm focusing on is finishing races and, uh, and I used to give people so much hell for that answer. I say, come on, what are you really trying to do? <laughs> and I have had a horrible, horrible string of DNFs and just lousy races over the past few years. Very, very, very little success. Um, and I wish I could pinpoint it. I think it's, I think it started after I had a meniscal knee surgery a few years ago. I was playing ultimate Frisbee and thrashed my knee and I just never came back from it. I lost, I lost a tremendous amount of physical, uh, upkeep and, and my mojo just hit, just took a beating. Um, I felt, I started to have the feelings of do I, what am I doing? I'm an imposter. I'm talking about all this stuff, but I'm not running right now. You know, all that sort of stuff just flying around in my head and and trying to come back and then not working. I've, I've been injury prone my whole damn life. Um, I've got a real, real decent pain tolerance, but my ability to get r really hurt is super high. <laughs> so I've been trying to trying to to come back from that and. Uh, fighting the desire to, okay, I'm going to do a hundred miler. I'm going to do a 50 miler. I'm going to do a freaking race in Andorra. You know, these, all these races and they're they're and I'm DNFing them. I'm DNFing them or I'm walking them in pathetically. And, and my wife has really been like, why don't you stick to some shorter things that you know, you're going to finish, you're going to feel good about and then build your way back up. And I know that's the right answer. I know that is the right answer. And I'm, and, and I'm doing it now. Um, but it's, it's tough because I do, I feel like I'm talking about this seemingly from some person with some knowledge of the industry and the sports, and I haven't finished a, a legit race in two years, and it, uh, it it eats at me a lot. It eats at me a lot, and I'm uh, challenged with: Do I, you know, force it and make it make it work, or do I try to build myself back up? And right now, I'm trying to build myself back up. And luckily, this Corona thing has kind of helped out of it because it gives you more time to. Trained. Yeah, give me a little time. Yeah, I had one of my favorite races in the world um, was supposed to be in April, April eighteenth, uh, Mendocino fifty k, and that's one I don't mind walking it in. It's uh, it's it's a it is a majestically beautiful. I mean, if if you're familiar at all with the Mendocino coast of California, go to San Francisco and go a couple hours north on the coast, and you've got redwoods and ferns and rivers and waterfalls and just nature's beauty. It's just fantastically beautiful, and this is a very low key race. There's like two hundred people in it. Um, it's vegan of all things. I'm not a vegan, but it's vegan. Um, it's a one big loop. There's no multiple distances. Wait, can I, can I yeah. ask you, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean? You're, you're not allowed to hunt animals during the race or <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's vegan aid stations. All the aid okay. station um, food is yeah. made from, is made of vegans. Yeah. Just, want, <laughs> just yeah. wanted to clarify. Yeah. No, 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 no deer hunting mid-race. But I'd get to, you know, I didn't, I literally didn't know that it was vegan my first year. And I get to an aid station. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? You know, I've eaten vegan food before, but it's kind of alarming when you're running for, you know, a couple miles and you're looking forward to something and it's not there. And then you finish and it's, it's not a burger, it's tempeh, you know, that type of thing. Um, and now I'm used to it. Now I go into it knowing what it's going to be and I'm cool. But, uh, but that, that, that's a race that, uh, that a lot of people just stand around. Um, mid race, and you just stand around and like jaw agape and looking around, going, "Oh my god, this is so beautiful." So that's one I don't mind not training really, really hard for. Um, right now, I'm signed up for um, California International Marathon (CIM) in December, hoping that's going to work. And um, and I think I can train for a good marathon. I mean, despite 
you know, having two kids at home and having URP and being the house dad, um, I still think I can train for what I hope to be a sub three. I've only run a couple of marathons, but I, I think I could do that. Is that, is that sort of, uh, is there any sort of midlife, uh, reasoning for trying to do a really fast marathon right now? Or are you just kind of like, just try it? A lot of what, of, of, of my wife's recommendation is start on, start on shorter stuff. And that's, um, I know that for a lot of people, marathons aren't, aren't, aren't the shorter things, but that's something that I'm, I'm, you know, very, very confident I can finish. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And it's also, uh, in my hometown runs, you know, a half mile from my house. So there's some pride there, you know, I'm going to be passing my neighbors. Let's be looking good at mile 22. And, um, and I, I, I think I can, I think I can do that. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. In the meantime, if I could, if I could run as many 10 Ks and half marathons as possible, I'll be, I'll be getting in those just to get my, um, to be getting my, um, my, my confidence back and my strength back. And, um, just, I just love racing. I don't care if it's, I mean, I set up a few days ago, I set up a a 1.6 mile course on the river by my house here. So everybody's locked down. We can't do anything, but we can still get out and run. We can still get out on the, on the trails in nature and, and push ourselves and, um, flagged it off and put a little sign up there that said, let's do this. We got 56 feet of elevation. I live, I live in Sacramento at 36 I live at 36 feet above sea wall, of sea, sea level. So hills are a, <laughs> we don't have a lot of hills, but, but they're, they're, they're small bumps and stuff. And, you know, you run down in gullies and out of the gully. Okay. That's a hill. And I've been running that to 1.6 miles really hard for the past few days. Oh my God. I think, I feel like I'm going to die every time I got to get a heart rate monitor on me because I've got to be in the one nineties. It is, it is so much fun to just push and go for a time. I keep trying to beat 12 minutes and, uh, and I can't do it. So that sort of thing, I just, I just like racing. I like competition. I mean, I've been watching fricking marble racing on TV. I just like competition. And that's what I need to get back at is, is completing a competitive event. You know, I looked up, uh, just out of curiosity to the New York city marathon last year. And I was like, how many people DNF this? Cause there's 53,000 of them. And it's, it's a very low rate. It's like 200 or 300 people don't finish. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I think it's got a pretty long, um, or pretty, pretty generous, uh, cutoff time. Um, but, but yeah, I, I road marathons. I don't think it's that as common as for people to DNF that as opposed to say a, a mountain hundred mile race. Yeah, that's a totally, I DNF'd, um, Andorra, um, ultra trail Andorra in, uh, August, whenever that was July, August, uh, we were over in Europe for six weeks and, um, and that, that I had no idea how hard that was going to be. I went into it in decent shape. I was not out of shape. I went into it in a decent shape, but it was, uh, 50 miles or 55 miles or something. And I got to mile like 23 and just said, this is, this is not going to happen. <laughs> like, what was, what was, uh, yeah, what was happening? Like, uh, it was, it was the, 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 the climbs were, no, it's the Pyrenees. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the Pyrenees. The altitude wasn't the problem. I'm, I'm no good at altitude, but it wasn't high altitude. It was like 3000 feet or something like that. But the, the, the climbs just beat the hell out of me, just beat the hell out of me. And, um, I, I bailed. I said, I'm just, I'm not going to do this for another 10 hours or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> um, this is, it was so beautiful. It was unreal. And when I'm back and confident and in shape, I would love to go back and finish that. Um, but there's just a lot of things. It's a midnight start. I'd never done a midnight start race before. Um, it was a neat, it's a neat way to do it because you, you know, see the sunrise and that's, that's awfully nice. But it was really tough. It was really, really tough. So that's not, you know, doing something like that is dumb. I shouldn't have tried that. That I, I wasn't ready for that. And trying to force that was was a, was a dumb idea. Um, but, a, you know, a road marathon or, you know, trail 10Ks, and I need to get those under my belt so I, so I have that confidence back. My knee is fine. I mean, I, I was talking about it a few weeks ago, and I'd forgotten which knee it actually was. My knee is fine. It's not <laughs> that. It's just the mojo and the... Um, and the, 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 the physical part. I just want to get clear on what you're kind of talking about with what you're saying there when you were like, I knew I wasn't prepared. And so by now, I guess this is interesting for me to think about. I mean, you're an experienced guy. Like, do you tend to have a good sense of whether you're ready or not going into an event? Or do you often get surprised? 
I guess I guess I'm going to say both to that, and I don't like hedging like that, but it's it is both because I don't like to do races that I've already done before, with few exceptions. There's there's a few that I really like to do, but most of them I like to see for the first time. So I don't know what I'm going to be getting myself into. I mean, I can look at elevation charts and you know see times and stuff like that and have a, have an idea, but I generally go into it and. I, you know, years ago when I was running well, okay, I'm in shape. I know what my last 50K was. I know what my, my workouts have been. I'm doing well. And for the past few years, it's been, um, I'm going to gut this one out. I'm going to, I know I, I know I can make it 20 miles. I know I can make it 30 miles. Now let's gut this out and, and see what I've got. And maybe it's going to be my day. Maybe this is going to be my day that it all comes together. And it, it never really is. It never works out that way. Um, and it, so, so it's, the answer is both. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like to be surprised, but I should be going to it better prepared. I have a somewhat relevant question. I don't know. I think I read this somewhere in one of these interviews with you, but you don't uh, do caffeine for two weeks before a big race. Right. What's the reason? I've I've also done that, and I feel like I did it for three months, and it was um, very it was horrible. But um, <laughs> <laughs> thought I was gonna die. Yeah. What's your What's your thinking, or what's the the strategy? Just to stay up. Just I think I I think I probably did it before my first hundred miler, um, or before that. I'm not sure. Um, kind of my way of cleaning out the body. I have no idea if science supports the 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 theory and the practice or not. Uh, I would I would not drink caffeine or alcohol for two weeks before, and then during the race, you know, midway through, I'd start slamming Mountain Dews, and then afterwards, I'd have a beer and I'd be looking forward to that beer. I'd have to earn that beer. I'd have to get to the finish and earn that beer, and um, and it was a, it was a great motivator for me. It was a, it's, I mean, that's why I stopped I stopped drinking officially two years ago. Is that was the start of it? Is is um, stopping for I stopped two weeks before a twenty four hour race, and uh, and then just never started again. So wait, the new policy is you don't drink at all except when you finish a race? Um, no, no, I just don't drink at all anymore. Okay. No, no. So I, there's I, not I even, so it is no longer the policy that you will have the celebratory no. beverage. Okay. All right. No, no. I mean, non-alcoholic, yeah, but, 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 not, but nothing with, uh, with alcohol. It's been um, just over two years. Okay. But now he, when he gets to the finish line, he has, he has an eight ball. So that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I go by not eight ball. No, uh, that that was. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a good transition for me. It's been a difficult transition at first, but it's been fantastic. Hmm. Um, so I listened to an interview you did with Billy Yang on his podcast, and you at the very near the end, you you two started talking about movies and. You said something about, oh, I, I don't really like movies, but I like basically heist or burglary movies. Yeah, so, bank, bank robbing <laughs> movies. The, the reason this caught my my attention is a friend and I are talking about sort of making up a film festival just to do it at a, a theater, you know, um, where it's we our ideas are like car chase film festival. Uh, escape, oh, my God. Escape movie festival. So we're kind of compiling these lists. And of Brandon, course, put me on that list. Put me on that list. Yeah, the trick, I need to go to that. The tricky thing is, is it going to be like three days and like eight, <laughs> eight films and tickets, I think, would have to be like almost three hundred dollars. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we, we you know you have to do your research and then you get together and go out to dinner and be like, is that a heist movie? Does that count? You know, and so so I have my own list and I'm I'm curious of what your favorite heist or burglary related movies are in and it doesn't have to be in order i'm sure you have three well wait a second I've got a top three. this is a great question and i just want to get specificity before eric starts giving answers fish called wanda is not a heist movie let's just clear that Ooh. right now <laughs> it's not <laughs> so so what yeah i guess this is a question too I, I think like does a does a heist movie i mean does it count if it's several small bank robberies like butch cassidy and the sundance kid is that a heist movie uh, yeah. i'm not into those no i'm more okay. into like the the planning and the the uh the the, 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 big, the backstories like oceans 11 yeah and that's let's oh let's just jump into it that's my that's my number three the oceans series is my is my number three okay i, I love, love that you already have this ranked this is great Oh, we've had this conversation on my porch plenty of times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> With some friends, you know, what's the best, best bank robbing movies. 
And I think that Ocean series, not that I particularly like the actors or anything like that, but I think it's just a great, almost Pulp Fiction version of of uh, of of casino robbing. Mm-hmm. You know, all these funny characters with their quirks and idiosyncrasies. And I, I think Ocean's is a great series. Yeah. So that's number three. Yeah. Number two is going to be Italian Job, but Italian Job, the current one for the car scenes. Um, but the original one for the unbelievably coolness of Michael Caine in 1969. Yeah, um, okay. that's hard to beat. I mean, that, his character back then was was hard to beat. I I, I like that a lot. Um, but the but the modern or the whatever it was ten years ago, whenever that one came out, that that car scene is so rad, so good. <laughs> yeah, I I just rewatched it, and I I don't I would, wouldn't say that the. Some of the dialogue really holds up in the acting, but the, I agree with you. That's a, that's a great answer, actually. And then the number one is obviously Heat. You know, Heat is, I think. We I were going to was... fight. We were about to no. fight, Eric. I was no. like, this could go real wrong here at the end no. of this wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, there's um, there's one right answer, then a bunch of opinions. And the right answer is, is I mean, De Niro and Pacino, come on. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the bank heist movies to end all. I mean, I think he wrote it. Whoever wrote it, I think he wrote it thinking, "I'm going to write the best bank robbing movie of all time." It's um, and, yeah, sorry, and did. Brandon, are you are you in agreement, or do Eric and I need to turn on you? <laughs> Eric, uh, Eric, this is just an idea for you, but um, for my 40th birthday, a couple, I guess a year, a little over a year ago, my wife rented out a theater and invited a bunch of friends, and we watched Heat. Oh, um, and a lot of you know, surprisingly, a lot of people you know, came up to me afterwards and said, I'd never seen that before. And um, we're not friends anymore because of that. <laughs> That's right, Brendan. That's but right. You, like I missed it. I wasn't, I was like 16 when that came out. So I didn't see it in the theater and you can't see it in the theater because nobody ever plays it because it's a three hour movie. But it's surprisingly, it's extravagant so, to rent out a movie theater to watch it. But it's so <laughs> like, that is, you've got a good wife there, Brendan. That oh, is yeah. a, that is a super cool gift. Yeah. That that movie is just it, everything about it is because there's there's actual story and character. I mean, it's there's unbelievable. The it's, ending, it, the, there's all, they shut yeah. down L.A. for God's sakes. They shut down yes. downtown L.A. It was like six different weekends. That they went. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. There's so much about like, um, yeah. There's so much about that movie that you can just find on the internet that's really interesting too. Uh, yeah. So I. I don't. I don't like most movies. I mean, I, I go through the Oscars every year, and I'm like, I've never, I haven't even heard of most of these movies. Mm-hmm. But, but for whatever reason, bank heist movies, <laughs> I just love. Are Are there any special honorary mentions here? Oh, I, I got a list. Should... I would, I would ask Brendan. Yeah, can... give me a couple more. I mean, we're all many of us are are stuck inside. So let's see if there's any let's that I yep, yep, yep. haven't seen. Mine, what should be on our radar? Mine's a really solid one and two. And then after that, I'm not sure. Um, okay. But my number two is Inside Man. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah okay. Denzel, yep. Spike yep. Lee, okay. Yep. Um, Dog Day Afternoon. Ah. Uh, I've not seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, that's uh, classic. Point Break is obviously on that list, right? <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> okay. I am I am uh, evolving my relationship with that movie. I had always it's laughed a, it's a tough at one. it, but my it's... Uh, now I'm starting to respect it for like just you know it, it's a solid 90s 90s right yeah 90s yeah movie and I mean, Keanu Reeves has really become an interesting character in the last five or six years for me and um, as a person so then you know so now I'm like yeah I'd, I'd watch that I would definitely I watch think it. he's the worst actor in the world um, but that movie that movie is 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 pretty solid you're right as a 90s as a 90s um, bank heist time capsule. Yeah. 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 It feels like, um, I would, I'm not going to put anything above Die Hard, but it's in that sort of category of action movie where you're like, okay, this isn't like winning Academy Awards, but does it make me feel bad to watch it? No. <laughs> so, um, Ke- Keanu has brought me far too much joy in my life to ever put him in the, like, I couldn't say out loud, like he's a bad actor. He's um, a horrible actor. <laughs> I'll he's, say, he's ab- watch Speed. Just watch Speed. Well, okay, go, I would never, but I would never watch that movie. Okay, okay. So maybe that's how I've danced around some of the tougher, right? Like to keep certain things intact. It's like I'm not going to watch a movie about a runaway bus. Maybe, 
But like I'm in on the John Wick movie. Since we're really doing this now and this conversation has just spiraled into completely well right. left field or beyond left field. Like I'm in on the John Wick stuff. Me too. Um love Keanu in those, so I can't I can't I can't hate on Keanu. And the Matrix. We gotta talk about the Matrix. I've never seen the Matrix. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I've never I've never seen I've never seen Matrix or I mean I, I know the references. I know he's Eon or Dio or whatever his name is, but I don't. But I don't know. I don't. I've never seen it. So uh, maybe he's fantastic. Maybe his acting chops really, really flourished. <laughs> I don't. I'm know just gonna. About that. I'm gonna go through the rest of my list real quick. Here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, the town. The town. Yes. Yeah. So have, good. Have you seen Eric, that? If you haven't seen it, you have no, to. No, I don't know that. Oh, it's it's great. They, um, I would I would hold that car chase scene up. Um. Ah. I would say it's pretty pretty solid in next to the Italian job. I would maybe say there there it's quality, but uh, yeah, it's a good film. Uh, Very good. Old Man and the Gun, which is Robert Redford's yeah. last movie. Yeah. Uh, Logan. Ronan's got to be on there, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then you know, there's the car chase movie list is just out of control. But uh, <laughs> Logan Lucky, if you haven't seen that, that's a funny. That's a fun Daniel Craig role. Uh, I put Mad Max Fury Road on that because I sheer I shoot I shoehorn Mad Max into every list uh, because uh, that, yeah, the, the Academy has voted and that has declined. That is the do. wrong category. <laughs> they do. Uh, Charlize Theron does heist all the women, you know, at the beginning. So that's I mean that's that's my that's my argument for it. I am now interested. Yeah. Go on. Oh, have you not watched it? <laughs> no. Oh my god, it's uh it's two of the greatest car chases in the history of movies with us with an intermission in the middle. Like Wait, what yeah. what, what, are, what is this? The again? whole movie is a car chase basically. Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. I saw it twice in the theater. Um, no, I've never seen it. Oh my god. Boy, I I strongly I'm making recommend a list. you watch that. Yeah. I'm making a I list. mean, that's and it uh it was an unexpectedly feminist movie for a lot of people and my wife is not a you know, an action movie uh, aficionado. And I said, I watched it in the theater and I said, we have to go back and watch this. I think you'll really enjoy it. So, um, did she? And then the, la- the last one is The Sting. Wait, Brandon. What? Good. Yeah. Did Hillary like it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. I'm not, she's not like asking, she's not asking me every Friday night if I want to rewatch it, but it's, <laughs> she was, she was not she's mad a, that we went. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Now you didn't include um, Usual Suspects or Reservoir Dogs either. Yeah, I feel like. I, so in in the light of making a film festival about it, Reservoir Dogs is just a tough one for me to to get yeah. through and leave people with a feeling of wanting to watch more movies. Uh, but I, I agree, it's a it's a good movie. <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't, you know. And then uh, Usual Suspects is. Yeah, I, it's on the end of my list, and I'm like, I feel like that's just elevated to a completely different category. And yeah. also, once you know how it ends, it's a little less compelling. But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm not. I wouldn't argue with that at all. So this is uh, heat still still so, surpasses all oh, yeah. far. So wait a sec, just again for clarity. So heat is clearly the best bank robbery movie of all time. But are you guys feeling as strong about best car chase? Uh, no, those I think I think we all disagree on that. Yeah, I mean, there's mutually. yeah, yeah, and that's okay. and that's I would take a good I would take a good bank robbery over a good car chase, but you can't really have a good bank robbery without a good car chase, right? Ooh, well, hmm, I mean. I mean, it's very rare you're going to walk good, in and rob a bank, a and then question. you just walk out the door and. <laughs> but win. with those, so okay, just Butch Cassidy, and also <laughs> also Inside Man does not have a car chase. I don't think is that right? Okay, yeah. But would we say that the car chases are <laughs> among the best scenes in Heat? Oh, yeah, that's a personal. I, uh, well, person, I mean that. I mean, come on, jacking up an armored car is pretty awesome that movie's so good though i think that i there's like a dozen other scenes that i might sort of put in the top you know oh yeah yeah so 
maybe that's where I. Yeah, to, to, to me, heat has everything from, I mean, from sitting down and saying, I will not hesitate, not for a second, to take you down. You know, mm-hmm. like, th- like there's serious stuff in there. And, uh, I mean, the final scene in the, in the weird, you know, with the, the, the planes are landing and all that mm-hmm. crazy, you know, just made up stuff. Um, but those, but the, 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 the gun scenes, the gun battles in downtown LA, for whatever reason, just yeah, bring me out of my seat. Not a car chase, though. A gun yeah, battle, it right. turns out, is not a car chase. I'm trying to remember what happens after. Yeah, I guess well, not. They're just running through the streets with, bag, bag, with bags of money. People are chasing yeah. them, but and they're in a car, but I don't think they're being chased. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, you're right. But Heat, huh. breaking the mold. Yeah. Once again, yeah. showing how good yeah. it is. It's like, we're going to make a bank movie. It's going to be the best of all time, and we're not even going to have to default to the sick car chase scene. Right. That's how good this is. And, the they didn't make a sec- and they didn't make a, um, a part two. Which I always appreciate in a movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's strong enough on its own. Why? Why mess around? So running. That's good. Okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, if ever there was a time where I feel like we can be forgiven for such a divergence, I'm going to say that time is right now. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Um, and I've got some movies to watch. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, that was a great question, Brendan. Well, I, I also think it's just enamors people to Eric knowing that he has good taste in, in heist movies. You know, if he, <laughs> if he didn't say Heat was number one, I think he, right. might, he may have lost some I think everybody, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm anxious to read comments and somebody's going to say, no, it's not because, oh, you know, it wasn't wrong, consistent. Though. They were using the wrong phone that didn't exist at the time or some nonsense or there was some yeah. kind of non-continuity in some scene or some garbage. He's blocked but damn that it, person. it is the best the best answer brendan plus if he hadn't said it was heat this would have been one of those times where for uh tuesday when we air this i just would have been like really sorry guys the audio file got corrupted (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for uh thanks for coming up with the right answer eric appreciate that it's an easy one it's an easy one well hey this has been really fun and um yeah, appreciate the conversation. And in some ways, I really appreciated the conversation about conversations. And really now personally, just um, hoping that you get back to a point where you're feeling really good about, uh, you know, when when races resume, um, I sure hope that you feel like you are in a good good position and feeling good about good about those. That's something to be uh, looking forward to. I've got motivation to beat a 10-year-old girl. I can do it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and 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 you guys, I mean, I've got in in my 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 daughter's room. She's got one of the things hanging on her wall is one of one of Brendan's prints about um you know longer you if you don't try it's something that's never gonna you're never gonna find success at it. And she's got that in her room, and that's an easy to understand chart from a ten year old. Oh, that is and, awesome. Uh, so I I nice. very much appreciate that sort of thing. And she's also got her um she's also got her uh, catch me outside shirt from Brendan as well. Oh, she, yeah. that that she wears, and people always get a kick out of. So, uh, big thanks to you guys. Eric, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. And uh, everyone who wants to hear a more professional podcast should go listen to Ultra Runner Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. You guys take care. Thanks, Eric. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Brendan and Eric for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd encourage you to subscribe to Off the Couch, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a nice little rating in iTunes. Until next time, please be safe out there. Please take good care of yourself and everyone else. Please do your best to keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.